The Victory Formation Podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You're supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want. That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, March 22nd, and this is madness. No other way to sum it up, man. (laughs) As advertised. I mean, we did a huge tournament preview show. I put about 13 hours into all of my research, and my bracket exploded on the first day. I lost Iowa in my Final Four and Kentucky, who was my champion, and we'll get to St. Peter's in a moment. But all I wanted to say was I was sitting there Thursday night. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty dejected. I put a lot of work into this and I was like, shit, maybe you're just bad at all of this. And then the next day I saw everyone else's bracket and was like, okay, this is why we love this because I almost threw up when Kentucky lost and I have no tie to Kentucky, but the emotional involvement we get by the bracket in the tournament, how much I love this time of year. The madness is like nothing else in all of sports, and it's exhilarating. I mean, watching these games, betting on these games, then you have your bracket as well, and you you find a team to root for in all of this. And then, you know, a team like Kentucky loses or like Baylor loses to North Carolina or Miami beats Auburn, and we'll, we'll get to all of it. But like all of the madness, all of the craziness, it's unparalleled. And the dejected nature or the elation of getting it right is why we love March. Yeah, even like, like especially me and you, I, I don't know how you're doing, but since <laughs> we both are not that hot, finding like the one game that you were right about, like, ha, ah, I told you that team was going to lose. And then wanting to run to the fantasy group chat and like yes. put, it in, put it in everyone's face. And in reality, it's like, bro, you have a thousand points left. Like, there's no way you're winning. <laughs> I saw... I mean, I feel bad for everyone in that group chat because I had like a full mental breakdown in there on Thursday night when Kentucky lost. I, I just, I, it was the meme of from the new uh, HBO show Showtime of Jerry West throwing the trophy through the window. Like that, that was me all night. I was just going off. Like, how could this happen? How could this happen? I put so much time into this. And then I sat there like 20 minutes after and just laughed because that's March. Like, that's why I love this so much. You can go in and crunch numbers and find matchups, but it doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't because at the end of the day, it's all luck. I mean, St. Peter's beat fucking Kentucky. There were one seeds on the ropes until like five minutes left in the game. I mean, Gonzaga in the first round, which I don't mean to brag, but I said that would be a closer game than people thought. And it was now Gonzaga ended up covering 22 points. Shout out Gonzaga, but it was still a pretty close game. Um, Richmond beating Iowa. Who saw that coming? Like I had said, Richmond's probably the worst team in the tournament. And they were, I mean, they got beat by 30 
against Providence in the next round. It wasn't even close, but it's wild. The, the tournament's wild. Um, yeah, it's, especially on your end, too, with Kentucky. I think that's only the third time ever that a 15 seed has made it to the Sweet 16. Yes. So it's like, like on, on your end, it's like Kentucky, blue blood, full of guys that are probably going to be in the NBA, most definitely. And they lose to a team from Jersey City that plays in the MAC. They were the best team. Like Kentucky had everything. They were the best team. And I'm not the only person that's saying that. Like they, they were overall the best team. And Oscar Shibway played great. That's just what I said. Like he was getting rebounds all over the place late in that game. Kentucky went two of six from the line and in overtime. And that, that cost them the game. And as I said, the most important traits in March Madness are pace and free throw shooting. Teams that are slowing the pace down are winning every matchup pretty much. Fast-paced teams minus Gonzaga and Arizona are all pretty much out of the tournament, and it's half-court offenses. And, you know, that, that's how March works. That's March every year. You don't turn the ball over, and you shoot free throws well, and you play slow, you'll win games. Yep, yep. But, yeah, let's let's dive into some games. Let's start with St. Peter's amazing run. St. Peter's is the third 15 to ever beat a two. Two of those games have happened the last two tournaments, but I'd argue St. Peter's probably the second biggest upset in the history of the tournament. Um, last year, Oral Roberts uh, beat Ohio State, but people liked Oral Roberts in that game. That wasn't like an absolutely outrageous pick. They had momentum. No one was talking about St. Peter's. I think we spent two seconds on that game. Uh, in, in our breakdown, but they upset Kentucky in overtime. They just outplayed them down the stretch and did more to win. And then they got the best draw possible. They played Murray state in the second round and Murray state was shook late in that game. And it it really didn't end up being all that close. Um, St. Peter's defense team defense swarming on the ball, collapsing in the lane on one guy. And it worked really well. Yeah. I heard a quote from the St. Peter's coach that summed it up perfectly and, and honestly sums up underrated aspects of March. He said, my kids are from New York City and Newark. We're not afraid of anybody. If you go into a March Madness game, some people are just overwhelmed by the moment. But if you're coming from a small school and the kids are from New York and Newark, they have a chip on their shoulder. They're ready to come out there and play. They're ready to come out there and prove something to the people that didn't recruit them, the, t- the people that didn't bet on them. They're ready to shock the world. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I knew St. Peter's was going to do this because we both didn't. But if, if you have that chip on your shoulder and, and you're a hungry dog, you're going to run faster. Yeah, I totally agree. And Doug Eddard, congratulations. You are the token white guy of the tournament. Um, they just, there's always one. There's always one white guy who's out there shooting threes and, and making plays. And God damn it, if it wasn't Doug Edder, these first two games, even down the stretch in the second round against Murray State, he hits a floater down the lane where his feet aren't set. His body isn't facing the basket. Fuck it, still goes in. And then just chucks up a three when there's a guy right in his face. Swish does the three fingers to the head celebration, pumps up the crowd. Unreal, unreal story. I will be seeing them play against Purdue live on Friday at the Wells Fargo Center, which is very exciting. But moving on to another shocker, another Final Four team I have out. Richmond beat Iowa in the first round. And 
Iowa was shook. I mean, Iowa felt the pressure in that game and they couldn't make a three to save their life, which got them there. Fran McCaffrey, it's time to talk about him because he's never made a sweet 16. Iowa has been a five seed or greater six times as he's been a coach and they have never made a sweet 16. I don't know what you do with him. I mean, if you're Iowa, he's probably the best coach you can get. But at the same time, those guys were not ready to play. Um, It was very evident. And like we said, Richmond got shit pumped in the second round. They were not a good team. But Iowa just got manhandled, and it was embarrassing. It was a really embarrassing loss. And as I'm watching that game, you can feel the momentum shift with like 11 minutes left. Richmond goes on a run. And then Iowa doesn't score for like six minutes. And they, they were clearly shook. And we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the segment. I do want to hit on the pressure of the tournament on the, the lower seeds. But you saw it. I, they were tight. They were turning it over. They were throwing the ball out of bounds. I will say at the end of that game, Iowa got fouled on a three-point shot, was not called, would have tied the game. Brutal. The refs down the stretch clearly had money on Richmond. I mean, it was very evident. It, it was absolutely brutal um, officiating. Honestly, on both sides, too. Uh, refs in this tournament have been horrendous across the board but what can you do yeah so like why didn't we see that from iowa because obviously i mean captain hindsight it's it's easy to say this but like the big 10 is always overseeded going into the sweet 16 there's just michigan and purdue left in the big 10 like they were the big 10 champion so if you're going to look ahead to next year and taking like a Big Ten champion, a team like Iowa, like we were both high on Iowa. We had him in our final four. Like this is a senior, senior led team, family all across the board. Two like, coaches, sons, my favorite. What, what, what did we miss? Well, like, I, I don't. I said know, it I don't get it. on the podcast, like I was never been to the Sweet 16. Uh, and I was like, but I'm taking him anyway. I like them. They're my spicy, risky pick. And it just bit me in the ass. Like the tournament is all about taking risks. I, I tried to do it analytically and clearly fell flat on my face and broke all of my teeth. Excuse me. Just ate some uh, general so's chicken, got the hiccups. I, I fucked up because I should have just taken like field games. Like again, New Mexico state beat UConn. New Mexico state is a classic tournament team. They are like every time New Mexico state gets in there at 12 and they win a game. And I didn't take them because I thought, well, UConn's just like does the same thing, but better. I took the wrong upsets across the board and games that I felt like, oh, this is a gut. I went against my gut and went with stats and I I fucked up. Yeah. And some, some things like this, man, like you're literally picking the big 10 champion. And they can't that's played better than anyone besides Tennessee. And they lose to Richmond. Like, like that, that, that's March Madness. That's summed up in one game. I mean, we're going to hit on a bunch of them, but, like, <laughs> you can't really believe in anyone, man, no. because anyone can lose. Um, speaking of anyone, I hate Michigan. I hate this team. I hate Jawan Howard, and they are in the Sweet 16, and I am more annoyed than anyone. Jawan Howard is a douche. Just, I, I'm going to go full tilt on this. He's a huge douche. And, uh, I hate Michigan. I like their football program because they have hardball, but I hate this basketball team. They are the definition of un, un, underutilized talent and non-hard workers. And you know what? They came together at the right time because they have so much talent. And they won two games. 
Colorado State, they were favored in that game. I don't necessarily think that's a hell of an upset. But, you know, beating Tennessee is is huge. Yeah, I think the story with Michigan is just underperformers all year, but they're still a big school with good talent that's going to recruit good talent. You yeah. know, you know so, and then they come into March an underseeded team. It's all just recency biased. Oh, this team's crap. Juwan Howard's getting suspended, trouble in paradise. And then when it comes time for March, when the games really matter, that talent just, you know, rose to the top. And Tennessee had out. that game. Tennessee had that game won with four minutes left. They were up seven points. It was over. They had all the momentum. They didn't score for four minutes. And just absolutely brutal. I live bet Tennessee three times. Um, pain. Pain and suffering, Finn. It, well, it was shout out, shout out Eli Brooks, though. I, I can't believe I went against the, the hometown guy. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I, um, PA. I, I, I hate this Michigan team. And like they shouldn't, oh, they had no business winning that game. They won that game because Tennessee, again, felt the pressure and melted down. And Tennessee was on the ropes and momentum's everything at the end of games. I mean, the next game we're going to talk about UNC stunning Baylor as the one seed. I wouldn't even call it a stunning loss because Baylor was that team for me going into the tournament as a one seed where I'm like, they could lose early. They're missing guys. I know they won last year, but again, missing guys, guys went to the draft, guys are hurt. And Baylor was shook. I mean, UNC had them. And then in the last minute of the game, Baylor overcomes what a six point deficit ties it on an and one goes to overtime incredible game honestly both teams deserve to win but that's not how the tournament works and unc moved on they'll be playing ucla uh in the sweet 16 i will also be there for that and i'm excited yeah i think your sentiment on baylor that was i think that was like a consensus this is the weakest number one um we'll get into where we were right and wrong but i didn't have baylor go into the sweet 16 i'm just going to throw that out there right now yeah, you did have Marquette, and I tried to tell you that UNC would curb stomp Marquette, and they did curb stomp Marquette. So I felt pretty good about that. That was the one game I was like, this is my stone-cold lock. UNC beats Marquette, and they beat him by like 30 points. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Baylor losing yeah, in the no. second round. <laughs> hey, man, we, we take the wins when we can take the wins. Speaking of wins, Miami's got two of them uh, carried by their – titular mascot sebastian the the ibis 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 i don't know um miami led by a six-year senior a fifth-year senior veteran team scrappy team the acc is doing really well in this tournament and was like kind of the worst conference all year but they they win the first game against unc usc excuse me not surprising usc is really not that good um and they played auburn and they beat Auburn by what? 18 points. Like they took it to Auburn and their experience really carried through. They didn't turn the ball over. They slowed down the pace and Auburn wasn't ready for them. And uh, I had said this Miami team could make a run on that podcast. I didn't pick them to go past Auburn, which was stupid, but they're playing their best basketball of the year. And they're a dangerous team. I, I think they're an actually dangerous team to get to the final four out of all the low seeded teams. Cause all they have to do is beat Iowa state and presumably Kansas. And I don't think Kansas is that good. So I, I really do think Miami could 
be a double digit seed in the final four. Again, it's like those were the long shots and the upsets that we had to pick and we didn't. Yeah. I mean, Iowa state, I said on the podcast, Iowa state's going to beat Wisconsin. I just don't have the balls to pick it. And what did Iowa state do? Beat Wisconsin. Yep. No, you're you're Um, spot on. One bright spot for me on this whole thing. I picked Notre Dame to beat Rutgers, which no one did in one of the most classic play in games we've ever seen. What was that? Double overtime midnight hits on St. Patrick's day as Notre Dame wins the game, the shot goes in. Then they play um, Alabama in the first round and, and beat up on them pretty good. And they were in a dog fight um, against uh, Texas tech. Like that was not an easy win for Texas tech. They had to fight to beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame was scrappy. I really was impressed what I saw from them. And I think they made a really good run and that's going to be a, a bright spot for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Notre Dame held in way longer than I thought against Texas Tech. Um, and shout out to the to the one player, McCormick, I think his name is. Yes. But he, I mean, he had one hell of a game for yeah. that. Uh, I, I, was it that playing game or was it against Alabama? It was against Alabama. Uh, honestly, both. Off. He played well in both games, though. Yeah, he went off. Um, I was definitely pulling for them against Texas Tech, but um, – Great effort by them. I mean, they definitely surprised people. Yeah, no, they did. And, you know, they almost got to the Sweet 16. Right now in the Sweet 16, we have three double-digit seeds. And Houston, who's a five, a four double-digit seed, sorry, forgot Michigan State was an 11. And then Houston, who's a five seed, they beat Illinois. They beat UAB, and UAB was my sleeper team in this tournament. And they didn't just beat UAB. They manhandled UAB. I just want to say I was wrong about Houston. Yeah, so what? They're missing their two best players. It doesn't matter. Um, their defense is suffocating. They hustle as hard as any team in the country. And I was wrong about the American. I mean, Memphis beat Boise State and then had Gonzaga on the ropes a little bit uh, late late night game uh, Saturday. And uh, Houston looks great. I, I love Arizona. I think Arizona is the best team left in this tournament, like the way they're playing right now. Uh, they, they barely skated past TCU, but TCU played really well in that game. And Alabama didn't feel the, pr- I mean, not Alabama, sorry. Arizona didn't feel the pressure, weathered the storm, came out on top, but they got a tough matchup with Houston. Houston's going to get in their grill and try and slow that game down. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. No, right on, right on. But yeah, that's the tournament summary. Um. Iowa State, Miami, St. Peter's, Michigan, all double-digit seeds, all in the Sweet 16. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a conundrum with uh, Michigan versus Villanova. Who are you going to root for? <laughs> Definitely Michigan. Like, you don't understand how much I hate Villanova. I, I hate them with every fiber of my being. If they make the Final Four, I will not watch. I will boycott that game. Um. They make me want to vomit. Like looking at their jerseys, it makes me want to vomit. It'll be tough for them to make the final four. Going, I, mean, I like Nova, but like honestly, like if you can get regional champions right now, like those lines, like I wonder what Houston is. I mean, I mean, they're obviously going to have to upset Arizona, and then beating either Michigan or Nova, like 
That might be spicy. I mean, just looking at this bracket right now, I I think UCLA has the easiest road to the final four. All they have to do is take care of North Carolina and then presumably Purdue and Purdue hasn't looked that great. If I'm being honest, Um, that game against Texas, if they didn't have Ivy, they would have been fucked and Ivy looks awesome, but that, that was a little bit of a a testy game down the stretch. They almost blew that. UCLA slows the pace down. They'll be able to handle Purdue, but then they're going to have to play either Gonzaga or Texas Tech or Duke. I would assume not Arkansas, but even maybe in the Final Four. I don't really know. I, any of these regions can go anyway. I think, like I said, I think UCLA probably has the easiest path, followed by maybe Arizona, but they have to play Houston. I, Kansas will probably beat Providence, but if they draw Iowa State, they've lost to that team already, and Iowa State's played them three times, so that's going to be a tough game. Yeah. I mean, we're getting down to the last 16 teams. All these games are going to be good. Yeah. Um, Except Purdue St. Peter's. I do not think that's going to be a good game. Imagine though, like (laughs) imagine if St. Peter's makes the final four. I know it'd be crazy. Like like St. Peter's versus UCLA or North Carolina for the regional championship. Yeah. That would be fucking wild. Um, but yeah, I, one thing I do want to hit on before we transition into some NFL trades, the pressure of the tournament. And this is the easiest identifier if a team is going to lose. And I saw it with Iowa. I saw it with Kentucky. I saw it with um, Tennessee in that game. Saw it with Auburn against Miami. The list goes on and on. Wisconsin against Iowa State. When crunch time happens and you are the favorite team, you are the high seed, and the pressure mounts, you better respond or else you're going to crumble. And when that pressure sets in and that team start, the other team starts playing tough, hard-nosed, do-or-die defense, and you're, you know, what you can see out of a team is throwing the ball out of bounds to nobody, dribbling in a double uh, coverage in the lane and turning the ball over, picking up your dribble and pivoting with no one to pass to. All of these are signs that the player isn't thinking clearly and it's a high-pressure situation. And I think the tournament's amazing because you can see it happen in real time. A team can go on a run and then the other team comes back, throws some punches and a lot of coaches will call a timeout. And then coming out of the timeout, the other team, you know, yelling into their fans, getting hype. You come out of that timeout and you turn the ball over right away. Boom. You've lost all the momentum. You're done. That's the end of it. You're cooked. And we saw it in a ton of games this tournament. I think Iowa is the best example, even though they fought back late with Tennessee against Michigan being the worst performance down the stretch that we've seen. It's a telltale sign and it's what makes the tournament so fun because you can feel that upset coming. You can feel the momentum shift. And then if you're a lower seed and you start losing late, nah, there's no pressure. You're playing with house money anyway. Who cares? But like you said, when you're the higher seed and there's expectation, you start to feel that weight in your shoulders and you start chucking up bad shots. You're not getting in the lane. You're not making good passes. And we did see a couple teams overcome it, like Gonzaga, uh, Drew Timmy. What can you say? I mean, he just put the fucking team on his back. Go. I uh, did it two games in a row. But, you know, it, the pressure in the tournament is more, I think, than maybe any other sport. No, absolutely. You, you, you don't want to be the guy on your team. You, you don't want to be the guy on your team that Fs it up. Number one, you're you can see who who the players are on the team that are the leaders that are like the natural leaders 
the guys that aren't afraid to have the ball. It, if you're picking up your dribble and you have no one to pass to, that's just the idea in your head is just get the ball out of my hands. I don't want it right now. I don't want it. Give it to someone else. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like you said, when you have a player like Drew Timmy, Jay Nivey, that can just that, – that says give me that ball, that's like NBA-level talent right there. So. Yeah, I mean, Arizona was on the ropes against TCU, and I saw that momentum switch. That, that Limpkin guy for TCU was doing the too small to the big dude from Arizona, and he was hyped. He was yelling into the crowd. Arizona had lost the momentum, but they came back and played great team basketball and just captured that game. And you can overcome it, but like Illinois against Houston, Tennessee against Michigan, um, to an extent, Kansas against Creighton, even though they won that game. Iowa against Richmond's the best example, I think, from the tournament. Just teams collapsing under the pressure late in the game. And, you know, it can happen. I think the tournament highlights it. Yeah, but And kind of a tangent off of that, you know, my, my darling and my Cinderella was Rich, was uh, Davidson. They, like, at the end of the game, like, it, it was a one-point game when they lost, or, like, a two-point game. Like, in the end, yeah, they had pressure to win, but they were also a lower seed that no one expected anything out of them. So at the end of the game, guys are just putting up shots. It's not the same thing that we're talking about, but like in the, in the end, they just said, all right, give it to your, give it to your shooters. Just try to put some points up. And like, I don't know if they steal an inbounds there at the end. Yeah. It's like, a game. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is March. It is madness. It's absolute madness. I can't remember another tournament like this, but uh, moving on to some NFL trade talk, I'm going to give the floor to you, Finney, to open it up. Absolutely. Biggest news of the day um, on Monday, Matt Ryan getting traded to the Colts for, what was it, a third Third round round pick? pick? Now, something to keep in mind with that, too. Matt Ryan, I think, had like the biggest or the second biggest salary cap hit because of his contract, like 40 upper $40 million range. So you're thinking Matt Ryan, Super Bowl caliber quarterback, former MVP, only getting a third round pick for it. But they're also offloading like $50 million in a cap hit. So you get your trade off there. Um, I think Matt Ryan, like I've not been a Matt Ryan believer for years. It, it, to me, he's not Matty Ice. He's Matty put it on ice because because he's fucking broken. Nice. nice. So, or, or here's an alternate, Maddie put it in rice because it's broken, but. Okay. <laughs> um, this is just my open mic, my open mic time, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I, I think it's like the Colts are seeing, like they don't maybe want to take a shot on a QB in the draft because they have a good defense. Jonathan Taylor, they're in win now mode. This is kind of like, all right, give us a veteran quarterback that knows how to manage a game that can, you know, maybe it's like late level Drew Brees type skill where he might not be able to make all the passes, but he'll make the ones we need him to. He can rely on Jonathan Taylor, the good offensive line. The defense is going to win more games than maybe Matt Ryan will. I, I It's definitely a better move of the needle than having no – decent starting quarterback but you know what are your initial thoughts like what what jumped off the page page to you 
I think this is a great deal for both teams. I think Matt Ryan has a lot of juice left. I still think he's a really good quarterback. Um, last year, he had nobody throw the ball to and no offensive line. I mean, he got manhandled. He's going to a team with a great run game, solid receiving options, really good offensive line, a, a system that's not that hard to run in Frank Reich, to be honest. Like, it's just a pretty vanilla, simple thing. Shout out to the Colts. They traded a first for Wentz, but then they turned – Wentz into Matt Ryan in that they traded the Washington football team. Sorry, the, the commanders. Um, they traded their third round pick to the Falcons for Matt Ryan. So they basically turned Carson Wentz into Matt Ryan. That's a huge upgrade. The thing with Matt Ryan is he's just not going to make mistakes. Like he might not go out and win you a game, but he's not going to make mistakes. And I think that's what the Colts need with Jonathan Taylor and some of their other options. I think Matt Ryan wanted to be traded. I don't think he wanted to be a part of this rebuild. And it's a win for the Falcons because they dumped Matt Ryan's contract. They signed Marcus Mariota today. I think that's a solid fit. He played for Tennessee with Arthur Smith. And they're going to rebuild. And I think that's the right move for the Falcons because they need a lot in a lot of different positions. They're not going to have Calvin Ridley. Even when he does come back, they're going to trade him. He's clearly not going to want to be there. And they need receivers. They need line help. They need defensive help. They're not a very good team. I'd say they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL next year. And on the other side, the Colts get Matt Ryan. I think he's a like, if you told me I could trade Matt Ryan for Kirk Cousins, I'd do it. Matt Ryan for Ryan Tannehill, I'd do it. Matt Ryan for Jalen Hurts, I'd do it. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that aren't as good as Matt Ryan. And yeah, he's not the greatest quarterback ever, but I'd put him in the category of like, I think he's better than Phillip Rivers ever was in his career. Um, and I, I think that's good enough. Right. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely hear you. Like, I see the, the Colts are clearly in win-now mode with Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, offensive line, defense. I, I don't know. In my eyes, I don't see Matt Ryan as high up on my board in terms of upside as most people. I can like even James, when I talk to him about Matt Ryan, he likes Matt Ryan. I don't like, I think that's just my perspective on it, but you know, the best part is, is we will we'll watch every Sunday and see how it shakes out. I'll pose this um, to you. How much better is Matt Stafford than Matt Ryan? Honestly. I would Matt Stafford is better than Matt Ryan. Yeah. I, but like by how he, much? Yeah. Is it like a, a giant gap? I don't think it is. I feel like, yeah, I'll take Stafford over him, but you know, going to a team that is already built to win, similar to Stafford last year in a terrible division. I, I think the Colts could win like 10 to 12 games next year. Yeah, I would put both of them in maybe Stafford's like, God, if I'm thinking about it in terms of tiers. I think they're in the same tier. I just think yeah. Stafford's the top of the tier yeah. and Ryan's towards the bottom of the tier. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. The Colts, the Colts needed to make this move and they did. Um, on to another signing, um, Von Miller. Honestly, this surprised me when I saw this come across um, the timeline. Von Miller to the Bills. Um, really surprised me. It was what a six-year contract. Yep. Um, he goes to the Bills, so the the Bills are just adding to their roster. It Good was the one them. thing they needed. They needed yeah. pass rushing on their defense to help their secondary out, and they got it. And I think it's a great move. 
wouldn't it just like did he not get offered by the Rams? Could he not have stayed there? Rams don't have the money. I, I think he got the ring with them and was like, cool, now I'm gonna get a bag. And he did get a bag from the uh the Bills. It's spread out, so it's not gonna kill the Bills, but now the Bills have no cap room, which I'm fine with because everyone's locked up. Everyone's there. Offensive line got healthy over the offseason, and he had Von Miller to that defense that's already really good that pretty much didn't have a pass rusher, and now you got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just yeah, I don't know. That 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 was it was very surprising to me. I would have leaned more if he could have stayed. Obviously, yeah, the cap stuff, um, getting money, the taxes out in LA to 50% of your money is going to be taken away. Maybe, maybe I don't even think it's better in New York by that much. But, um, yeah, that was a surprise to me. But Bills are just adding to their roster, just adding more craziness and skill to the AFC. So, yeah, um, that, that'll be great to see. Um, moving on to the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson got a five-year, $230-plus contract and when I say this next piece, my jaw hit the floor. It is all guaranteed money. Hell yeah, it is. He's getting – this is like the first time maybe in NFL history where the entire contract was guaranteed. Like I, I was watching an episode of Billions and Bobby Axelrod, the main character, was like, you know why I like the NFL? Because the contracts are rarely guaranteed outside of the first two years. And he got $230 million all guaranteed. Holy shit. I think it's a great move, though, because like if you look at Cleveland's roster, they are good enough to compete for a Super Bowl right now. And Watson's a top five quarterback. We didn't see him play last year, but the last time we saw him play, he almost won the MVP on the worst roster in the league. Yeah. Yeah, And then, you know, it's a substantial upgrade over Baker Mayfield. And especially in that AFC North, like they have to do it. Yeah. With Joe Burrow with uh, com- to compete against Lamar Jackson. And even just like, again, we, we mentioned it on, on the uh, talking about the NFL on these podcasts, the AFC is so stacked at quarterback that they needed to get to Sean Watson and, Boy, did they back up the Brinks truck for him. I mean, now they have Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper. That's a solid pairing. They got Chubb and Hunt and a great offensive line. They have arguably the best defensive player in football. I know it's Aaron Donald, but you could make an argument that it's Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. They have an awesome roster, and this was the last piece, and they got it. On the other side of it, Baker Mayfield's career is over. He did himself no favors in all of this. He could have shut the fuck up sat there, dealt with all of this, and requested a trade privately. But he came out, he put a whole statement out on Notes app. His middle name's Reagan, weird. Um, Put his middle name in the Notes app. That was a weird move. Just, like, handled it like a fucking baby, which is exactly what I thought he would do. And it's a red flag. He's already not the most talented guy. Why would you want this asshole leading your team now? And I like Baker. I I was a Baker advocate. I, I said that You know, he has a chance to be a good quarterback still. But if you're another team looking to bring him in as a a replacement, as a trial for a year, similar to Sam Darnold last year, and then decide whether you want to pick his option up, why would you do that? Like, he's just, if you end up benching him, he's just going to bitch and complain and be toxic in the locker room. And you don't want that. 
Yeah, it's it's gonna be a fall from grace for Baker because, like, what are his landing spots now? You got the Seahawks. Yeah, tough but competition they, there. I think they're gonna draft either Malik Willis or Matt Corral. I don't think they want Baker Mayfield. I think if they're gonna do anything, they'll roll with Drew Locke. But like, like you got to think about like who could Baker go to? It's you know who are the teams that need a quarterback now? Like the Falcons. No, they got Mariota. They're set. Oh, they already got Mariota. Yeah, they signed Mariota today. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I mean, then then who else is there? There's um, Carolina. The the dumpster fire. Yeah, I I don't think they're bringing him in. Houston, but I I kind of like Davis Mills better. Like I I am high on Davis Mills. We we've been over this, but. I would give Davis Mills if you're going to be bad, you might as well just give Davis Mills a chance to see if he's progressed at all and looks good. You're trying to be bad in Houston. That's the point. So they're and, not going to go for Baker. Yeah, and, and you're talking about in Houston, Lovey Smith. Um, he was on the McAfee show talking about how you know Davis was like he really did have good plays. Yes, it, it, it's just like he was on the Texans and it was yeah. his first year. He's a rookie. Like you know, how much can you really expect? So. Like the landing spots out there. I mean, there still are teams that need a quarterback. He, he'll he'll land on a team, but like, God, none of the places are better. And like Odell's dad is just the biggest winner out of all this. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he is. He totally is. Um, I'd laugh my ass off if Odell went back to the Browns. Now that's never going to happen. That is, there's a zero percent chance, but that would be hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know where he goes. I mean, the Giants are an option. Depends how much they still like Daniel Jones. I think Baker would be an upgrade from Daniel Jones. The Lions are a really good option. I mean, Jared Goff was fine last year, but Baker's a better quarterback than Jared Goff. And I think the Dan Campbell-Baker energy that they could get feeding off each other would be pretty good. So keep an eye out for Detroit. I think that could be a landing spot. But there aren't that many teams that are going to be interested in $19 million Baker Mayfield as a backup. And there aren't that many starting jobs open right now. Yeah, it'll, it'll be tough. Um, but all right, transitioning into the last um, NFL trade and craziness of, of this, this free agency season. Devontae Adams has been traded to the Oakland Raiders. Celebrate good times. Come on. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. I'm so happy. By far, and I've heard it from – I've watched all the top talk shows on this. And even myself, dude. Like, holy shit. This was off the wall, surprising. I mean, the Packers just – once again, the front office just completely fumbling the ball. I don't think it's on them. I they couldn't pay him, and he said, "I'm not playing under the franchise tag." Like he wanted a long term contract for stability in case he gets hurt. They reportedly, and and this is all the conjecture and the reports of you know who who, which reporter is Guten Kuhn's telling to put this out. But apparently, they they offered him that they matched, if not, were going to pay him more once they saw. like the deal that the Raiders were going to give him. And he still just said, no, like the Packers could have offered this extension during the season and locked him up. You know, they they could have made that roster move early enough, but I think like they, they, it's that, it's, it's that, that disrespect that you show a player saying we're going to franchise tag you. Uh, no one wants that. 
Devontae Adams is clearly the best wide receiver in the NFL and you're going to franchise tag him? No. Back up the truck and pay the man. Get, lock him in. It's obvious. And, and they didn't do it. He's now going to Vegas to play with um, his college roommate and college quarterback, Derek Carr. Um, uh, Nevada, I believe it has no state income tax. Yes. I believe. So that's massive as opposed to, I think it was the 7% income tax in, in Wisconsin. Um, he, he's, he definitely deserves the money. Um, I'd be lying if I said it's not a problem for the Packers. Cause like now who do they have uh, a skeleton squad at, at wide receiver? They're going to have to go into the draft and God knows, like they never draft wide receivers and skill position players up front. I mean, from a draft perspective, it is a big wide receiver draft, but like more talking about Devontae Adams, like it's going to hurt the Packers. Yes. And now everyone's saying that this is just going to be a prolific offense out in Vegas with Josh McDaniels just getting all these weapons, Derek Carr. I mean, AFC West. Jesus Christ. It's still going to be tough. Like that's, that's the best division we might have ever seen in the history of football. Like there are four, four teams could make the playoffs out of that division. I think four teams will make the playoffs out of that division. <laughs> what chiefs win it. And everyone else is a wild card. Ah, uh, yeah, that sounds right. Is that even possible? No, there's only two wild cards. So I guess no, what it... someone has to be the odd man out, probably the chargers, but no, the... Eric, there, there are three wild cards now. They could. Oh, there are three wild cards. Yeah. All four can make it. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Then, then you're talking about like a team like the Ravens and like, like, but whatever. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, he, he apparently, um, Devontae lives in Nevada. In yeah, the he bought a house, a, a $10 million mansion, which is honestly hard to spend that much money in, in Vegas. He bought a $10 million mansion a month ago. We all should have seen this coming. Yeah. And this it's is like, delicious. Like I, I love every second of it. Um, my buddy, Colin Smith, shout out Colin. He's a huge Packers fan. Texted him right away. Got his thoughts on it. He's crushed, but he did bring up a good point. That was like, they are getting a lot in return in draft capital. They could go out and trade for another wide receiver, a la DK Metcalf and bring him in. Cause I know he Seattle's not going to keep Metcalf at this point. Um, there are other guys that can make a move on or sign someone. Maybe they bring in Odell who knows. I, I just think it's hilarious because he saw Rogers get that contract and was like, well, what the fuck? I'm not going to get paid. I'm out of here. And all of this talk about Devonte's best friend is Aaron Rodgers, And he really likes him. He definitely doesn't think he's a complete piece of shit asshole who deserves to be burned alive and put in prison. Like we all think, uh, like I think, um, he saw that and went, now nah, I'm good on Aaron Rodgers. I'd rather play with Derek Carr, which is the funniest part of all of this. I think it's awesome. I love this. It's a great move for Devontae Adams. He doesn't have to live in fucking Green Bay anymore. He can live in Vegas, party it up, have a good time. He gets to look at, um, uh, why am I pulling a blank on the owner's name? Mark oh. Davis's haircut all day. <laughs> like all day, he gets to look at that haircut. Guy Fieri's at the games, cooking up barbecue, having a good time. He gets... The only man that Derek Carr loves more than Jesus sexually is Devontae Adams. So, I, hey, man, he's still going to be great. He's gone. He's out of the NFC North. I am elated. I am ecstatic. The Packers are still going to win the division, but uh, 
I don't think they can win a Super Bowl without him. And that makes me a very happy boy. Yeah, it's it's that the chemistry that you lose is just priceless. Hey, man, he could still throw that back shoulder fade to uh, Montez Valdez Scantling, right? Who they haven't re-signed yet. <laughs> or uh, Alan Lazard, 08, who they haven't re-signed yet. Or uh, Jake Kumaro, oh, they lost him. Like, who the – like, I don't even – like, Robert Tanyan isn't even back. Like, sheesh, man. It, it's just, like, put all your eggs in one basket and then, like – I don't know. Now you have to go out and find some hens to sit on them. So they hatch like, I mean, again, maybe it's not the end of the world because the Packers weren't winning shit with Devonte Adams. So maybe somehow it shakes up the locker room and they get some chemistry, but Aaron Rodgers is a loser and I will, I will bank my money that he will continue to lose. I mean, it'll be, it'll be amazing. Maybe like, he proves that he's just as good as Brady and just throws it to guys you've never heard of. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I root for laundry anyways. I'm just going to root for the Jersey. It sucks to see Devonte on another team. You know, I, I, I hope he loses every single game. Um, I hope he doesn't catch a single touchdown until like week 14. I know it's not going to happen, but uh, you, know, you know, we'll see. It, it was massive. If, if you were to say that, Aaron Rodgers re-signs and Devontae Adams leaves. I don't know if anyone would have thought that would happen. And it it, was crazy. It fucking happened. It's it's crazy. I will say I feel your pain. This happened to the Vikings a couple of years ago with Stefan Diggs. And Diggs was my is still and was my favorite player in the NFL. And uh, I was crushed. I mean, kind of similar where he had the most iconic moment, maybe in the history of the franchise, the Minneapolis miracle. And he he was the Vikings' heart and soul. And they had to trade him because he wanted out. And I think that's the same situation we saw here with Adams. Um, but I think that covers our, our NFL trade news from the week. Yeah. Oh, oh. So much has happened from Rus- Russell Wilson signing with the – or getting traded to the Broncos is like – feels like months ago. And yeah. it was like 15 days ago, 10 days ago. It's crazy. Uh, Tom Brady also unretired. We never talked about that, but I'm not shocked. Yeah. It's – Yeah. Expect it. At Adam Schefter forced him into retirement. So. I'm so happy he's back, though. Like, I love Tom, and I can't wait. Cool. All right. Yeah. Transition um, to baseball, man. Tell me what's going on. It's crazy. All right. So, I spent about two weeks or a week since uh, the, the season resumed and the lockout ended lamenting the Phillies haven't done shit. And then two times in three days, they sign a marquee free agent. They get Kyle Schwarber to come in and presumably be their DH. And then Friday night, I'm bowling. I'm watching the games. Me, Matt, Allie, Dan from Good Soup are out bowling, having a good time. And I'm on Instagram. And Nick Castellanos posts a picture in front of the art museum. No caption. He's here, baby. And that's a deep drive to left by Castellanos. He's a Philly. I'm excited. I'm stoked. The Phillies are still going to probably finish third or fourth in their division, but at least they're going to be fun to watch now, I guess. Um, They didn't really help the rotation at all. I mean, they added some bullpen pieces, but like not good ones. So I I don't know what they're doing, but you know what? I'll be at a lot of games, cheap tickets, sunshine, scenic Castellanos, Kyle Schwerber, Bryce Harper. It's a great outfield. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for that. So what's the to- like? Are these guys defensive helps as well, or is no? This neither more- neither of them play any defense. 
Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, the Phillies, I don't know what they're doing with this roster. They're kind of just like throwing money at whoever's going to come, but you know what? They had outfield issues. They solved it. They re-signed Odubel Herrera, which is just like the most tone deaf move. He's a wife beater. The fans hate him. He used steroids too. And they bring him back. Cause it was a million dollar deal. Like whatever I, he, he's going to have to play center field, I guess. I would like to see Harper play more center field. It does limit his arm and right, but an outfield of Schwarber, who's capable of playing the outfield. He's not great in the outfield defensively, but he's capable. And Castellanos, who he's an average defender. He's not bad, but he's not a great defensive player. So the main takeaway is their lineup now has Gene Segura, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Reese Hoskins, JT Ramuto. D.D. Gregorius, who apparently was hurt last year, and that's why he was so bad, remains to be seen. But that's a pretty that's a pretty spicy lineup. I mean, I, I don't even watch baseball, and I know who those guys are. So yeah, I will say I'm terrified of the Mets. The Mets have gone all in. I mean, they got literally everyone worth getting this free agency. They started off with Max Serger, and now they have Scherzer and Degrom as their rotation gross they got starling Marte, who's the phillies really big target who they wanted to play center field um they're just they went all in they got um mark kanha too who's a left fielder just more depth for them but they got literally everyone i the mets are terrifying i don't think the phillies can beat them i also don't think the phillies can beat the braves and moving on to the braves they acquired matt olsen from the a's and Freddie Freeman was not aware of this. And he went to the Dodgers as a free agent. The Braves really fucked this situation up, man. Because I think Matt Olson's overrated. I don't think he's that good. I think he played in Oakland. And he's never been battle-tested in a big situation. Yeah, stats are fine, but they're not as good as Freddie Freeman's. Freddie Freeman's a better defender. He's a better hitter for average. They have similar power numbers. Freeman is the face of the Braves franchise. Just won them a World Series. And they said, nah, we're good on a long-term deal. You go to the Dodgers. Dodgers just continue to collect everyone who's really good and a free agent. So great move for Freeman. I think the Dodgers are in a better position this year to do well. The Braves replaced him with a comparable player. Like I shit on Matt Olson. Matt Olson's not great. He's not bad. He, he's a slightly above average first baseman, in my opinion. I know that's a hot take because his stats are good, but he's, he's all right. Um, but they get Ronald Acuna back and some other pieces. Again, they're still better than the Phillies in that division. So Kind of a weird move. A little bit sad to see Freddie Freeman go. Chipper Jones is really upset about it, but he is a Dodger and Matt Olson is on the Braves. Wow. I mean, Schwarber, like, so Schwarber and Castellanos, are they over the hill at all? Because I know they've been a- around for a while. Nope. They're both still pretty young. I, Schwarber's really starting to come into his own the last couple of years. So I, I'd say that's a really good move. Castellanos was really good the last couple of years, too. Um, played in Cincinnati last year. So it's kind of tough to gauge. He didn't have any lineup protection. Now he's got lineup protection. Like you can't pitch around him. I, the lineup stacked, but again, I still think the Phillies are worse than the Mets and the Braves by a considerable margin. Are they worth a flyer for any like futures? No, 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 no definitely not. Cause like their rotation, I love Zach Wheeler, but how long till he gets hurt? I don't like Aaron Nola. I don't think he's that good. And Philly fans will defend Aaron Nola till the lights go out. But I, he's a, he's a borderline number two at this point. The rest of the rotation is trash. Um, and the bullpen, 
was really bad last year. And yes, they signed some guys to the bullpen, made a trade, brought some guys in. I still don't think it's that much better. They still don't have a closer. I mean, if Jairus Familia is going to be your closer, good luck. That's a, that's a horrible move. There's a reason the Mets didn't bring him back. So I, I don't like the Phillies roster construction from a pitching standpoint. And in October, pitching wins you games. And the Phillies don't have that. So, yeah, they can hit the shit out of the ball. And at Citizens Bank, like, Schwarber's going to feast in that ballpark. But I don't know. If you can't pitch, you can't win every game eight to six. Yeah, it's true. So are, are there any other uh, pitching free agents out there? or Not, that No one that so moves bad? the needle. I mean, there could be some guys who could pitch in, like, the bottom of your rotation. But a lot of dudes have signed. Um, I'm looking now. Like Ronald Torres for the Phillies, I'd like to see them bring him back as a platoon infielder, but we'll see. Um, Nick Vincent, meh. Oh, I think he signed with Atlanta. Yeah, but I, they, there aren't a lot of relief pitchers out there. Oops. Pray the farm system is producing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have guys they could bring up, but uh, no one noteworthy. But moving on from the Phillies, last couple of guys, Chris Bryant signed with Colorado. I think that's hilarious. He just wanted a bag and everyone to leave him alone, and that's the perfect place to go do that because the Rockies signed him so that they would hit the salary floor, essentially. Um, they got rid of Nolan Arenado and then just signed Chris Bryant to a huge deal, which makes no sense, but... He's there. No one's going to bother him. He, he can be like really good or mediocre and it won't matter. Uh, Trevor Story signed with Boston today. Again, another meh move. Like I, I think he's a meh player. He, he's all right. He's definitely an above average shortstop, but I don't know how good he is. And uh, Boston is in. I, I said this earlier in our group chat. Uh, shout out Jake Hodgson, big Red Sox fan. He was saying like they're going to be good, blah, blah, blah. But they're the fourth best team or third best team, fourth best team in their division. I, I think the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Rays are all better. That being said, I think Boston would win the AL Central or the AL West. So uh, the AL East is going to be a problem this year. Everyone but the Orioles has a chance. And then Carlos Correa signed with Minnesota. Kind of a shocker. Really nice ballpark. Minneapolis is a fantastic city. I think he'll really enjoy himself there. Um, the <laughs> Twins are also like really bad right now. So I think that's another... Hey, give me the most money and then everyone will leave me alone for a couple of years. So yeah, that that's basically all I wanted to hit on an MLB free agency. I think the Correa moves really interesting because no one saw that coming. Wild. I mean, it baseball is back. Yes. Baseball is fucking back. I'm so excited. Once March Madness ends, NBA playoffs, baseball. And we're in it. Sorry, NHL. I don't watch your product. <laughs> True, true. Well, all right. Um, time to transition to a, a new segment, Rapid Fire. Eric, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock and let you hit on all the other topics we didn't get to in the main segments. All right. You ready? Is, oh, yep. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. This is the Rapid Fire State of the NBA segment, a.k.a. NBA Roundup. Uh, the Sixers are sliding. They have depth issues that are absolutely unfixable at this point. Furkan Korkmaz cannot continue to get minutes. They don't have a reliable big man to back up Embiid, and they have no shooting off the bench. It is a nightmare. I'm really nervous about it, and I don't want to play any of the teams, especially the Celtics, who are now tied with them for the three seed. 
The Suns control the West, even with Chris Paul out. Cameron Payne has been really good off the bench. They're still nine games up on Golden State, and they're going to be the one seed in the West. Speaking of the Warriors, they are absolutely cooked. S- Steph Curry is out at least till the end of the season. Um, without Curry, they got no shot, and they'll still hang on. If he comes back for the playoffs, they could compete, but they only got three games with him and Draymond, which was a big bummer. And that pairing is absolutely lethal with screen action and passing. Uh, Zion is officially done for the entire season. Shocker. Uh, We both said that he'll never play for the Pelicans again. It's looking like that. However, the Pelicans have now moved into the nine seed. They've been red hot lately. So maybe Zion looks like a big fat idiot. Emphasis on fat. The Lakers are falling fast. They're down to the 10 seed. They're only two and a half games up on the Spurs. They might miss the playoffs entirely. Forget a play-in game. I love it. Russell Westbrook is a baby, a big old crybaby. And LeBron's trying to make him seem like he likes Russ and clearly he doesn't. And no one does. And Anthony Davis is coming back, but I don't really think it matters for the Lakers. I think their goose is cooked and I don't think LeBron cares anymore. Um, This has been the hardest draft to evaluate coming up in years. I've been watching Chet Holmgren in the tournament. We watched Jabari Smith for Auburn. He laid a fat egg. Uh, Jaden Ivey for Purdue is probably my favorite player going into the draft, but there's a lot of guys from, non-power conference schools that have played in this tournament that I've showed themselves really, really well. And I think they could be considered for like that five to nine range. And one of them's probably going to be the best player from the draft because Chet Holmgren looks like a lanky Nosferatu build. And I don't like it at all. Even if he is really skilled and moves pretty fluidly, he's got a little hunchback to him. I don't really like that build at all. Uh, I like Jaden Ivey. Like I said, Paulo Bancaro don't like him. Don't really think his tra- skill set translates super well to the NFL. That's a hot and NBA, excuse me. That's a hot take, but I wouldn't draft him. He gives me big Jabari Parker vibes, but bigger. Uh, and the last thing I want to hit on the Bucks are getting right, right and hot at the right time. They're headed into the playoffs. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's playing well. They look like the team to beat in the East, not the Sixers. And it bums me out to say that, but I don't think anyone in the East is going to get by the Bucks. Maybe Boston, if they can play good enough defense, but even then, they don't have anyone that can neutralize Giannis, and I hope that the Celtics lose in the first round, but I think the Bucks are getting right at the right time, and they look like the best team in the East. Damn, you did that in three minutes and 38 seconds. Let's fucking go. That was amazing. <laughs> I, I Listen, rapid-fire NBA. That's, that's why we're here. I like it. Love it. I mean... It's a great wrap up. I mean, especially with the Sixers, man, you're already getting cold feet right now. Yeah, they have no bench. It can't be Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz. It, it just can't. They're, they probably have the best starting lineup in the league, but their bench is atrocious, and it's probably going to need next year to build out the bench. I, I am getting cold feet. I, I don't like playing any of these teams in the East, minus Miami. I think they'd manhandle Miami, but all these other teams – the Bucs are a bad matchup because of how they shoot the three. The Celtics are a bad matchup because of how they defend. And then everyone else is just kind of trash, but they can beat like Cleveland. They can win a first round matchup. I think they can beat Brooklyn, but you know, I don't know how far they can get. Gotcha. Gotcha. Whew. If Embiid's healthy though, anything's possible. He could will them to victory like Giannis did last year. True. True. Well, great. We'll definitely have more on the NBA as, as the, as the playoffs ramp up. Yeah, um, it, the tournament's really cutting into NBA, but as it should, because this is the best three weeks of sports. All right, so talking about cutting into things, um, how did this weekend go with your uh, with your betting in the bank account? Well, I live bet Tennessee three times when they were playing uh, Michigan. 
I put a bunch of money on the teams that I bet on the first two days in my bracket, and I lost a lot of money. I will say I put on Iowa State to beat Wisconsin just as a Hail Mary, like, please, God, let me make some of this money back. And I did, which was nice, but that the line wasn't that great anyway. It, yeah, I, I lost a lot of money this weekend. Yeah, I was. I went an alternative route. I did um, like futures to to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. So basically, just like betting on teams to win two games, and the ones that I hit were Purdue and Houston. So I, I took five, and the thing I, I like, I couldn't go three and two. I or I couldn't go two and three. I had to go three and two, and I lost on Wisconsin, Iowa, and UConn. So like those were tough. I mean, it it wasn't as bad of a capital loss, like as it, I guess could have been like, you know, look at it on the bright side, still lost, but um, I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for futures, man. Like just putting in those bets, not worrying about anything, just watching the game and knowing that like your future's riding on the games. I mean, like Iowa losing in the first game sucked. UConn losing in the first game. Awful. So, like, right off the bat, I was out of the first day. I'm like, oh, shit, I already lost these. Now I have to win six more games to go positive. And, you know, Wisconsin won the first game versus Colgate, then lost. So, that was that was the killer. But, you know, other than that, I mean, Purdue looked, looked pretty good, in my opinion. And then um, Houston just dominant. So, yeah. Know, that was I, uh, I had four futures going into this tournament. Kentucky to win the national championship, which had a fat payout. I put that in in October when the season started. Brutal to lose that the way that I lost it and my bracket exploding at the same time. Just almost, I, I as I said, I almost threw up when it happened. Like I, I felt like I was going to cry, scream, break stuff. Uh, it was painful. And that was a bad day. The first day of the tournament, I lost a lot of money. And uh, I still have Gonzaga Final Four, UCLA Final Four, and Arizona Final Four. The UCLA Final Four was my hedge against Kentucky. All of those are still alive. I don't know how good I feel about UCLA right now with um, Jaquez out, it looks like. He looks like he really fucked up his ankle in that game. But who knows? Arizona and Gonzaga look pretty good. Arizona's got to get past Houston, but then I think they manhandle either Villanova or Michigan, whoever they end up playing. Both of those teams are meh, in my opinion. And Gonzaga's got a tough matchup with Arkansas and then Texas Tech or Duke, but we had talked about that Texas Tech-Zaga game being an all-timer. I think we're going to get it. Yeah. No, especially with the the way that Duke is playing, like they just don't want to play defense. I don't if like Duke. Yeah, I, I yeah. they don't play any defense. And who's their go-to scorer? Because if you're physical with Bancaro and cut off his drive, he doesn't have that many weapons of, of things he can go to in his arsenal. He's got a spin move, and that's it. Yeah, the, the spin move, I will say, though, if he gets you down on, like, the mid-post region and he hits you with that spin move to a layup, like, it's almost like he can score, like, every time. Um, but, like, outside of that, I mean, you, you, you got to rely on guys to get hot. And, like... It's one of those things where you have so many good guys on the court. It's like, who do you give the ball to? Everyone needs the ball to be able to show off how good they are. And then guys aren't getting the ball and then they try to do something and they're cold. It's like, I I don't know if I like Duke that much either. And then this Texas tech team, you know, it'll be a great game. I mean, all, all these games are pretty much must, must, must watch. uh, Texas tech has 10 men that they play. They play 10 guys and they're all men. 
And I think that's the difference in the game. Also, I think Texas Tech's a better coach team. I don't think I don't I like Coach K. He he was a great coach. He is no longer a great coach. And I, I this year has been a head scratcher with him. He even admitted in the last game, like the last two minutes, he wasn't really coaching. He was just letting the boys play. So he just admitted that he wasn't a good coach. Um, I don't know. I, I, Texas Tech, I think, wins that game. But let's let's pick these games for the betting corner. Um, the opening line for Gonzaga and Arkansas is Gonzaga minus nine. Who do you like in that game? Do you like a money line? Do you like Gonzaga minus nine? What do you think? Jeez, man. I, I mean, I think I had Ar- Arkansas losing in the first round of Vermont. So that's something where I was really wrong on. I also had Gonzaga losing in the second round to, I think, Boise State. But I could have, I, I kind of liked Memphis against them. Jeez, I mean, Arkansas is athletic, man. I guess, you know, I'll take them plus nine. I like that. I, I kind of also like Arkansas plus nine, but I, I like this game as a tease. Uh, I want to tease Gonzaga down from nine to six and take Gonzaga at minus six. Because I, I think this is a four-point game with a minute left and Arkansas fouls a couple times. So then wouldn't you – I mean, then if, if, what, what, what are the teases, like four points on this? I mean, you can just tease the line down to minus six. It's not available yet on any of the books because this game's on Thursday. But if you did want to tease it down to six points, I'm assuming you're going to be like minus 200 range. Um, But I'm okay with that. If I'm thinking about like a traditional basketball teaser of like four points, I like Arkansas plus 13 even more. Yeah. I, you know what? I'll give you that. That that's good. I do like that. Like plus 13, like even if Gonzaga goes out and has a good run, I still think they're not going to win this game by that many. Yeah. Yeah. Like I still think Arkansas is going to scratch and claw their way back if they do get down and if if they keep it close and then it does turn into a foul game. I don't think it's going to explode to 13 points in the last few minutes. And another good point is Gonzaga is not shooting the free throw well in this tournament. They're like a little bit over 50% for the entire tournament shooting the free throw. They, they have struggled the first two games. I, I think they'll figure that out because they are a good free throw shooting team. I just think Gonzaga's got too much size. So if you want to take Gonzaga money line, it's going to be like minus 375 range. You know, you're not going to get great value, but uh, that might be end up what I do and throw it in a parlay. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, second um, game of the day will be Villanova and Michigan. The line opening is Villanova minus five. What do you like? God, these are so good. God, Vegas just knows what they're doing, man. Um, fuck. I would probably – I mean, I'm probably just going to ride with Nova at this point, but, like, minus five. Hmm. Shit, if, if we're doing teasers – in in a four point teaser, give me Nova minus one. I guess I like that. That's where I'd probably lean right now. I kind of know who you're leaning towards, but I'm gonna vomit when I say this. But Villanova money lines the bet here. It's not gonna be over minus one seventy five. Michigan shouldn't be here. Where Michigan has advantages, three point shooting, inside out movement. Nova also has advantages, and the best player on the floor will be Connor Gillespie and. I hate Villanova. I will root hard for Michigan. I will not bet on this game most likely, but if there's a bet to take, it's Villanova money line. Conversely, Villanova minus five is not a bad bet. I, I think they'll win this game pretty comfortably. 
Got it. All right. Like it. What's uh, next? Next matchup is Texas Tech Duke. This is a pick 'em. It's Texas Tech minus one right now. Money line odds are even. Over under is 136.5. I kind of like the under in this game, although I don't really like taking unders in the tournament just because of Texas Tech. I love Texas Tech minus one. I love Texas Tech money line. I think if you're going to take minus one, just take the money line. It's going to be even anyway. I'm going Texas Tech money line in this game. Okay. I mean, yeah, everything we just said. I mean, if Duke decides to show up and play defense and plays big man basketball, if they if they strap in and they're ready to go, I, I guess I could see them winning. But all things equal, this Texas Tech team, I mean, yeah, it, it, I'd probably lean Texas Tech here as well. I'm, they're going to be able to foul the shit out of Duke because, again, they play 10 guys. Duke plays seven guys. If both teams yeah. get into foul trouble, Texas Tech plays 10 guys and they all play well. So, and, and what did I tell you about depth? Like for the past three weeks, it's depth, depth, depth. So you need to have depth as you go into the tournament. And if you, can, if you can do platoon changes and just put five fresh guys out on the court. That's what Texas Tech it. does. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, everyone's fresh. I listened to Bob Huggins. He was on the coverage the other night. And he was yep. talking about Texas Tech because he coaches West Virginia and they played twice. And he was like, yeah, they just keep throwing fresh guys at you. They can get in a foul trouble and not worry about it because they have 10 guys they can play. Duke's going to try and drive inside, use Paulo Bencaro. I think they need to hack the shit out of Bencaro, be physical with him. Don't allow him to hit that spin move. Texas Tech does this thing where if you drive the lane, it's an automatic double. Two guys collapse on the ball and apply pressure. We've seen that work immaculately in this tournament. Every team that's been running that, shout out St. Peter's, is doing it really, really well. Texas Tech does it the best out of anyone. I don't think Duke's guard plays strong enough to carry them through. I think Texas Tech wins this game. I like a money line. I still think it's going to be a close game, but I like a money line. Right. Okay. Okay. And then we got Houston, Arizona. What's that line at? Arizona minus two is the open. I like Arizona minus two. I, li- I would even tease that up to like Arizona minus six. Now, I could be completely wrong. Houston has played really well. I just don't think Houston has the offense to compete. Like they shot the three really, really well in their last game against Illinois. That is uncharacteristic of this team. Arizona is going to shoot the three. Well, the size advantage for Houston is not there. Arizona's big and Arizona is going to get out and run. Houston likes to slow the pace down. So from a stylistic standpoint, Houston is built to do really well in this game, but Arizona played TCU. TCU slowed the pace down, and Arizona still won that game. If Arizona scores 80 again, they're going to win, and I just think they're going to score 80 again. Yeah, this is – I'm going to get spicy here, and this is where I'll, I'll put, you know, cool down on Houston, money yeah, line. Value bet. I mean, they're probably going to yeah. be somewhere in the like plus 175 to plus 225 range. And rooting for um, – yeah, rooting for that, the underdog. Um, hope, hope, hopefully, like they're just playing aggressive, they're getting scrappy, and and we kind of, and I I picked this in my bracket too, which I mean, that is probably a reason for me not to bet on this, but yeah, I, I would get spicy and throw a a money line down on Houston. I just think if this is a close game, what I saw from Arizona against TCU. As I said earlier in this podcast, teams crumble under pressure on big runs. TCU went on like a 7-0 run to take the lead by four in that game. And Arizona scratched and clawed their way to overtime. They made a bonehead play before overtime. 
after the game, the one guard on their team was saying they were the best team in the country, which is a red flag for me. But they're scrappy. They play hard. Houston is playing basically a home game in San Antonio, but Arizona's not too far away. I, I really like Arizona. Their fans travel well. I think it'll be a pretty even split, if not more Arizona fans than Houston. And I, I just I really like the offense on this Arizona team. I, I think I like their poise. I like their offense. And I'll give them an edge in this game. Cool. Love it. Sweet. We will hit on the Friday games on Friday's podcast. So we'll save those for that betting corner. And uh, yeah, that's our look ahead to the weekend. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. We'll have to keep track of these picks. This is, this is great. I love yeah. it. And you know, the great thing about the tournament is a whole new bracket. It's just 16 teams big baby. So we could take our picks, take our teams. Looking at the 16 teams left, who do you like for your final four? And who do you like as your national champion of the remaining teams? Yeah, so I'm still going to ride with Purdue out of the East to get to the final four. Um, I'd probably also say Gonzaga, you know, just – like, I hate doing it, like, just because they're Gonzaga, but I, I'd probably lean Gonzaga out of the West. I like Houston, so I'm going to stick with that spicy pick of, of, you know, if they can get through Arizona and hand Arizona that loss, I would pick Houston out of the South. And then probably Kansas. I mean, just go, I'm going with chalk here, basically, but then probably Kansas out of the Midwest. Yeah. I don't hate it. I am going to take. So Kansas, Houston, four, and then Purdue, Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. So, so you I, have champion wise. Yeah. So it's Gonzaga your versus Purdue. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead. Gonzaga versus Purdue. I mean, I have Purdue in my bracket, so I'll, I'll ride with that. And then Kansas versus Houston, like Purdue versus Houston in the championship, and then I'll stick with Purdue. All right, I don't hate it. Um. I'm going to take Gonzaga in the West, although I'm considering Texas Tech. That's a tough one for me, but I'll, I'll stay with the Zags. I'll take Gonzaga in the West, take Arizona in the South. Um, I'm going to take Miami in the Midwest. I know that that's wild, but I, I like the way they're playing right now. They have a ton of momentum, and they have older dudes and seasoning and veteran leadership. I'll take Miami to come out of the Midwest just to be different. And uh, this is tough because I, I want to take UCLA. I think they're the best team, but they are – it depends on how long Jock has is out. Hold on. Let me dig real quick and see if there's any news on him. Hmm. No news on it. I'll take, I'll take UCLA. I'll take UCLA. Cause I think if they play Purdue, they can be more physical, but I, I, I would take Purdue other. Like if, if Jock has definitely isn't going to play, I think Purdue is the team, but I'll, I'll go UCLA, Gonzaga, Arizona, Miami. And I'll take I'll take Gonzaga and Arizona. And I'll go with the Cats. I'll take Arizona. All right. In a in a close game. Like that is two coaches that coached together for 20 years. The Arizona head coach was an assistant at Gonzaga. Two teams that are really similar in play style and team chemistry. Will be an all-time classic if that's a national championship. But that I think out of the 
that's the safe pick, and I'm going to go safe. Yeah. Um, I mean, the storylines write themselves with, with that, like the pupil versus the, versus the Jedi, you know, the pupil versus the master in, in the championship. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. It's the best thing about sports. Come and this weekend, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. If Gonzaga does play UCLA in the final four, that will set up a rematch from last year right. where Gonzaga won by three. And if Houston gets to the final four, that'll be two years in a row for them in the final four, which is crazy to think about. So that's what you're riding with. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I, again, I could see UCLA winning that game if they have Jaquez, but I'm going to take Gonzaga, Arizona, and Arizona to win. Perfect. All right. Great work. Yeah. I think that's a wrap on the podcast, everyone. Um, thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for spending your time with us. Sorry about my predictions on the NCAA bracket. If you followed them, that's your loss. I did say they would probably lose. So, you know, whatever. Make sure that you check out our YouTube channel. We did upload a video, Matt, Dan, and myself from the Good Soup podcast on which uh, picking the bracket by which mascot would murder you in your sleep. It came out pretty good. It's pretty funny. Check it out if you have time. Don't forget to check out the Good Soup podcast as well. We are dropping a podcast on Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993 and Street Fighter 1994 coming out the same day as this podcast. And as always, check us out on Instagram, www.goodsoup.blog, and keep up with everything Good Soup. Bye.